You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Ah, that first sip. Oh. Am I right? Oh, it hits different. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Corland. Good morning, everybody listening. Or afternoon or evening. Whenever you or decide night. to listen. If Welcome. it's night, probably go to bed. We'll listen tomorrow. <laughs> it, wouldn't that be weird if people listen to us as they fall asleep? A little weird. Anyways. We won't judge you. Thanks for tuning in to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast. This is another episode of Off the Record. Pew, pew. Yeah, I was going to so leave the air horn noises for you. <laughs> oh, this is bad. This is starting <laughs> bad. <laughs> so if you usually listen, we do have regular episodes where Cam joins us and we talk about questions that come in or topics. But sometimes if we don't have a... A set question, or Cam's busy. Uh, Corland and I both work at the church, and so we thought sometimes we just have thoughts run, run, running around mm. in our heads. This is bad. Can we just restart? Hey, welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> And then we just uh, bring them up. So I have uh, three. You have three. Nice. How many do you have? I have, I have about three. Oh, whatever. I know. So we usually just go back and forth and kind of bring up a topic, discuss it for a while, and then uh, move on to the next one. So and they're usually the type of thing that doesn't warrant like a full episode, a full hour's worth of discussion on sure, that one it's thing. Like a little 15, 20 minute yeah, topic. It's yeah. not that we couldn't talk about them for that long, but it's that it's. Cool. So, so can I just say this before we start into the new topics? Oh, boy. So last week we talked about uh, intercessory prayer. Yes. And it's way worse than I thought. I think we came into it with like a. I, I kind of know what it is. Maybe it's this. Yeah. And uh, it's like now as I've done some digging and research, it's like super duper unbiblical. <laughs> because, oh, wait, people are praying for other people. Yeah. Intercessory yeah. prayer is literally <laughs> like I'm going to pretend to be Corland. I'm coming to God on behalf of Corland, but not like, hey, God, I'm praying for Corland. It's like, hey, God, it's me, Corland. And so I listened to one guy, someone sent me a, a sermon and I listened to about an hour of this guy. And, uh, yeah, he was basically saying like, you can go to God and confess sin on behalf of people. You can repent for people. And that's what intercession is. I'm standing in the gap. So he gave the example of like, yeah, my stepdad's not a Christian and he was really mean to me growing up. So one day I went and I don't remember the stepdad's name. Let's say Bob. So it's like one day I went to God and it was like, God, it's me, Bob. And I'm sorry that I've been a really terrible dad. You have dad. to like pretend to use the voice of the person. I, I don't know. But it was just kind of like, okay, this is way worse than I thought. Yeah, that's so not biblical at all. That is uh, heretical to say that I can go and repent for people. So, and really quickly, I wanted to uh, use the, show you the one verse that this guy used. He used one verse in his entire sermon, which is always kind of like a eh, red flag. Today's scripture for today is in the beginning, the end. Yeah. So Nehemiah 1.6, if you know the story, Nehemiah hears the, the news about Jerusalem and the walls are all falling down and like his country's a mess basically. Yep. And so it says that he prayed and his prayer, part of his prayer. So the guy says, look, Nehemiah one six. So you're jumping in halfway through a guy's prayer. So yep. just keep that in mind. Let your ear be attentive, attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants confessing the sins of the people of Israel. And then he stops. And then he spoke for an hour about, look, Nehemiah confessed the sins of Israel 
so I can go and confess Corlin's sin for him. But I'm like, okay, anyone with a Bible, just keep reading. So Nehemiah says, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, comma, which we have sinned against Nehemiah included you. in that. So Nehemiah is not saying, hey, I'm sinless. I wasn't a part of it. And now I'm, I'm confessing sin of other people. He's saying, I'm confessing the sins of Israel. I am an Israelite. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like it's a really... I don't even get where he would say then you can go on the basis of individuals. And maybe he just didn't get to it in his sermon. But it's like, man, those are rookie numbers. If you're going to read that passage that way, just confess sin for the whole world. Like, yeah. be done with it and then. The, and the difference is, like, Moses, Nehemiah, all the prophets, um, their authority was different because they were literally mediating between the people yeah. and God. It's like what we discussed and we last week. And I don't want to... But anyways, I just wanted to yeah. say, like, those listening, if you heard us being like, oh, maybe intercessory prayers... Are, no. No, it's, like, heretical. I don't think I presented that. N- no, I but I just thought... Yeah, it was me. <laughs> it was more me being like, yeah, maybe... But intercessory prayer is not just saying, like, I'm going to stand in the gap for someone. Intercessory prayer, they would teach, I'm going to stand in the gap as someone. I am now you, Corlin, confessing your sin. Yeah, it's not coming alongside someone. It's standing in their place. So I just wanted to make it absolutely clear to anyone listening. Do not do that. Do not do that. That is not biblical, and it's heretical. Anyways. Let's move on to first topic, today's topic. Of and the it kind of I'll use mine first because it kind of goes along. Okay. So, oh, um, sweet. is it appropriate or necessary or bad to name false teachers by name? Ooh. So I'll give you some context. A few years ago, um, there's been a few times in sermons in the past where I would, you know name bill johnson for instance or chris valent or others that i'm like this is what they teach and it's heretical they are a false teacher and i remember a few years ago a a young man uh texted me after a sermon or something it's probably a monday or tuesday and he said like um i don't think you should call out false and he didn't even so i should back up he was trying to defend bill johnson so anyways, he said, you shouldn't call out people by name. That's just like so inappropriate and it causes division and, you know, and then I've had other people in the past when I've said like, yeah, so-and-so, you know, Joel Osteen doesn't preach the gospel. He preaches a false gospel. Yeah. And I've had people say, well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like call out people, just preach the truth and people will, people will know kind of thing. Yeah. So what do you think? Is it? Is it biblical one? Is it okay? Is it necessary to say like, not just to say like, hey, the prosperity gospel is wrong, but to say, hey, Kenneth Copeland teaches the prosperity gospel and it's wrong. What do you think? Like, is that appropriate or is it like, uh, let's just be vague? Yeah. What so do you think? I, I think that there is one phenomenal example of this um, in scripture it's the I suppose one could probably argue as a counterpoint that the context is a little bit different, but when Peter is called out by Paul, yeah, um, Paul does it to his face, and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, it's in front of people even. Yeah, Galatians two. That yep. was one of my. He says, "But when Cephas, which is Peter, yep, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face <laughs> because he stood condemned." And then the whole context is that when, uh. Paul, uh, Peter was eating with Gentiles, but then when Jews came, he kind of was like, oh, no, I can't eat with you yep. because of the law and blah, blah, blah. But yep. 
yeah, Paul says I opposed him to his face, and then yeah. he writes it in Galatians, which is in the Bible for the rest of time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, uh, at least the way I would operate around those types of things is I think that there is a interesting balance of doing that in a Christ-like manner and in a way that's actually effective. So I'll put it this way. I personally, I think that if you are making YouTube videos calling out pastors for no reason other than for your own fame of like, oh yeah, this guy actually said that they're bad too. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not that you're wrong in calling them out per se. It's just maybe the heart behind it isn't great. I think it's more effective if someone, and who knows, I, I I don't know what the will of God is with someone like Kenneth Copeland, but what if somebody that he has known for years became a true believer in Christ and rebuked him like what Nathan did for David, right? Sure. And was like, hey, this is wrong. Calling him out to his face, even if it was in front of people. I think a scenario like that is much different. I think the only other thing that I, not the only other, I shouldn't say that. But one of the other things is like, I think that as uh, anyone in a pastoral role, if you notice that your sheep and your flock Mm -hmm. are heading somewhere else Mm -hmm. dangerous, you will probably want to get them away from that danger, right? Yeah. So like legitimately speaking, if your sheep were running to a, a cliff, you would probably try to get in between them and the cliff and like obviously yeah, you wouldn't be like, I don't want to hurt the wolf's feelings. Yeah. Obviously a sheep is not going to understand if you say, Whoa, whoa, there's a cliff over there, right? Sheep are dumb. Yeah. But like I, I think of even um with children, you watch parents interact with children. If they go to like touch the hot element on the stove, it's like, whoa, 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 no, that's hot. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, maybe that's not going to be hot for you. Maybe that's what you like. <laughs> no, yeah, right? Yeah. We would protect yeah. them from anything dangerous. And so I think that that kind of setting as in a sermon or in a in a way to protect your, your flock, that I don't think it's wrong to call people out as false teachers, right? Yeah. We would call sin, sin. And if somebody is sinning and, and teaching heretical things, then to protect your congregation from that, I think yeah. is valuable. And it's not like some people, like I think that there there is moments where it's perfectly okay to call people yeah. out. But yeah, the whole the whole movement of like rebuking people in a YouTube video, Kenneth Copeland probably doesn't watch your YouTube videos. Yeah, totally. So what's... What? Like, I guess hey, my it, sermon on Sunday has like, I think, 12 views on YouTube. OK, so, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. There, there's an element of like, again, I don't know what the will of God is. Maybe by the grace of God, yeah. Kenneth Copeland would see something like that and be like, oh, shoot. Like maybe God would work in his heart and convict yeah, him. You never know. Who knows? But I do think that it's a little bit naive to think like. Yeah. So I have a thought. And but first I want to say there's a bunch of scripture examples. Yes. Um, in First Timothy one verses nineteen and twenty, Paul says, um, "Hold fat, oh sorry, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Among who are Hymenaeus and Alexander, who have handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme." Hmm. So here's two guys that are blaspheming. Yeah, and Paul names them. Hey, Hymenaeus, Alexander, I've I've uh, handed over to Satan. Uh, then in Second Timothy, there's a bunch of places. Second Timothy one fifteen, Paul says, um, "You were aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelius and Hermogenes." Bible names, gotta love them. Yeah. Um, so he, there's two other guys that uh, he names by name. He doesn't just say, "Hey, you know, there was a few people." He names them. 
In 2 Timothy 2.17, their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenius and Philetus. So he, here's two guys. I'm assuming by those names. I don't know. Maybe girls. But he says their talk, their teaching is spreading like gangrene. And so I'm going to name them Hymenius and Philetus. Yep. Then you have um, 2 Timothy 4.10 where he says, uh, Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me. So now we don't know if these guys are are spreading false teaching, but he's naming people. This guy deserted me. Like he walked away from the faith. He deserted me. Yeah. And he's naming people. So I think we have scriptural precedents that it's not, it's not a sin to name out people who are false teachers. And I, I like what you said. Like, so I'm a, I'm a pastor and God has given me. Uh, people that are under my care and um, there's people that in our church that are consuming and following false teaching. And it's like, I'd be a really lousy pastor if I was like, well, whatever works for you, you know, be careful. And like, so when people come to me and ask me about specific teachers, I will tell them whether they're false teachers or not. And then when I'm preaching a sermon and it fits, yeah, right. So I don't like every sermon say, and by the way, did you know that Bill Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Fun fact to today. But like when a, when a, when a theology is being taught in a passage, it's uh, sometimes I think it's helpful to be like, yeah. Okay. Jesus is saying that he did not lay aside his divinity. Here's some people who, who claim the opposite, like be careful of this. Yeah. Right. So, I think it's a pastor's job to protect his sheep and yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't worry about the wolf's feelings when I'm trying to keep them away from my flock. Right. Yeah. And I think I'm held accountable for that uh, by God. He's like, did you protect the sheep I gave you? So, but here's the other thing in the day and age that we live in, I I had one person. So I'll give you an example there. uh, I can't remember which sermon this was or, the context, but there's, there's always all of these like revival meetings, prophet so-and-so's coming to town. And there yep. was one, I think called it is time or one of these, at least in ones. our area. That's a yeah. common thing. Yep. And this guy, uh, and speaking of naming names. So, uh, you know, the oil patch pulpit guy is going to these meetings and he's yep. very, very popular. And I just made a few comments about like, I can't even remember what, what I said. This was in a sermon? Yeah. Yep. It was just kind of like, you know, the whole point was that it was during COVID and they had this big tent revival meeting with COVID and their kind of arrogant comment was, we're not even worried about COVID. Everyone's going to be healed who comes to our event. And then there was a massive COVID outbreak. Yeah. So it was kind of like trying to say like, okay, our response as Christians shouldn't be flippant. Like who cares about some disease that's spreading? God won't let us get sick. And so I named some people. And so afterwards, someone said, oh, did you go to them personally first? Hmm. And, I, and so here's the question, though. So in our day and age, when everybody puts everything online, if we're going to call out false teachers, do I need to fly down to Redding, California and confront Bill Johnson to his face first before I warn people about his teaching? Oh, boy. My answer is no, that's ridiculous because I would never even be able to get a meeting with Bill Johnson. And I told this person, as soon as you put your stuff publicly online for any people can critique my sermons all they want. Like, yeah, Yeah, I feel like there is a certain, uh, 
right if you have posted stuff online that people can look at it and talk about it. You've posted it publicly. Yeah. Um, you've made your opinion known to everyone. It's not like it's just affecting a few people. Yeah. When Bill Johnson gets millions of views, that's millions of people that are, are being influenced potentially by it. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think there's, again, I, I think the heart behind it to some extent matters. So for example, what you have done in the past, I personally don't think that that's wrong. I think that it lines up with what scripture would ask. Uh, so if someone's walking in sin, that's in Matthew that it talks about that of, of going, talking to your brother uh, yes. and then bringing an elder yeah, and then in yep. front of the church type thing. Um, I think this is a scenario that's different because this is yeah like Bill Johnson is not your brother in Christ. <laughs> He's a false teacher, yes. right? It's yeah. not like as if I had gone and said something dumb in front of the church on Sunday, or if you had heard that some I said something wrong at youth, right? That's that's different. Yeah. So let's let's use that example. So if you got up when I asked you to preach and you said something like, I don't know, I'm trying to think. Make uh, it extreme. Yeah. If you were just like, guys, I I don't think the Trinity is biblical. Jesus clearly was the first created being that God made. Yeah. So here's here's the process that I would use. I would first of all, uh, you'd probably be fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just joking. But I would sit down with you and go give you the benefit of a doubt. The doubt. Please explain to me what you said. Yeah. And am I hearing you wrong? It's not impossible to miss word things, yeah. especially when you're public speaking. Yeah. So no. then I would come to you first, and then probably with the elders, you would come to the elders, and we would say, Corlin, we're going to give you a chance. Like, is that actually what you meant? Yeah. Did were you actually saying that Jesus is not God? And if you were like, whoa, wait a second, that is not what I meant. You misheard. Then I, or I we misspoke. Would, or... We would give you a chance to get up on a Sunday and kind of whatever, clear it up. Yep. But if you were like, no, I truly believe that, we would go, okay, well, you can't be a pastor here anymore. And then we would tell the church, this is what Corlin did. This is where his theology went. This is not biblical. We need to pray for him. Yeah. But he's not going to be a member of this church anymore. Yeah. And he's not a pastor. So so that's where the difference stands, yes. though. So like that, for Bill Johnson, he could care less. He doesn't even know who I am. Yeah. So I can't fly down there and be like, Bill, and, I think you're teaching wrong things. And you're calling him out was not... In in that setting, it was a warning to your congregation. Yes. It was not an attempt to get Bill Johnson to repent. Yes. You are not a Nathan to a David trying to get him to realize what he's done. Totally. You are simply warning your congregation. Don't so, listen to him. Yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I don't think it's wrong, right? Yep. Uh, a good example of this, and, and I feel like most people will understand what I mean, is like with the Buzz Lightyear movie coming out recently and a lot of Christians saying, hey, warning to Christians, don't watch this. We wouldn't say, whoa, 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 you can't call out think about Disney all the, by yeah, name. Think about all the actors that worked on that. Did yeah. you go talk to them first? Yeah. <laughs> right? You wouldn't do that yeah, because sure. it's a warning of something that is not biblical, right? Yeah, and so sure. there's there's stuff like that that I think it creates a difference. So again, if you're posting YouTube videos as rebukes to Bill Johnson and you're getting views and comments of people that just support you and you have not gone to Bill Johnson and talked to him and all it is is like uh, a like, I, I don't know. It feels like such a feeble attempt. It's like, yeah, yeah. And a lot of these guys, not all of them, but a lot of these like, quote discernment youtubers they're not pastors they're not it's like that's not really your role and, and to... most of them like i shouldn't say most of them some of the ones that i've come across don't actually just uh like 
call out in the sense of like calling them to repentance, they would like put a warning up and say, Hey, as an example, hypothetical, it's like, Hey, uh, Toby McIntosh said this, that doesn't line up with scripture that should put out some yellow flags or some red flags, right? We cannot believe what this man is teaching because of this. It's not that they're going at, it's like they evaluate what's being said instead of just calling for repentance. And I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if those people are praying for those people all while yeah. doing it. Yeah. I, I can't say. I don't yeah. know their heart, but that's that's where I think the difference is yeah, in my totally. mind. My first question that I have here uh, kind of goes along with actually what we were just talking about. It's funny how often our off the record topics do that. Uh, oh, man. Always fun. I think my question, you and I talked about this a little bit the other day, but I think it'd be a good conversation and a good conversation to families as well. Like, so we'll record something here, but I think it's a good point to hopefully this will give you something to step off if you haven't had conversations like this with your family, because mm-hmm. I think it's an important one for for uh, husband and wife to agree upon or to understand where each other are coming from. Uh, so the, the basis of the question is at what point is it wise to shield your family from the world? Mm. So the, an example that I gave even in the last topic was the Buzz Lightyear movie. Yep. You have a whole, so what's wrong with that? What's what, what's all the kerfuffle about that movie? Kerfuffle. What am kerfuffle. I? Sixty years wow. old. <laughs> what's the scuttlebutt? <laughs> what's so, the deal with like why are people so upset about that movie? Basically, in case listeners aren't aware. Yeah. So in the movie Buzz Lightyear, there is a what I would say in light terms is a promotion of a homosexual lifestyle. Yeah, it's like a lesbian couple. Correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um and. I, there is in a kid's cartoon. We're just, yes. Lightyear is a kid's cartoon. Yes. It's okay. a, yeah. And a kid's cartoon produced by Disney. Um, that's just one example, but there is a whole movement of Christians that would argue that like all that, like anything of the world. So not just Buzz Lightyear because they have an openly, uh, a, a relationship that, uh, oh man, I'm think I'm losing words, but they have stuff like that in their movie, uh, from the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and so we have some Christians that would say absolutely cannot ever touch it with a 10 foot pole, stay far and clear away from it. Uh, and then we also have another encampment, I would say of Christians, some are kind of in the middle, but the two big ones would be like, Oh no, it's fine. It's just eight seconds in a movie or it's just 20 seconds yeah. in a movie. Who my cares? kids won't even notice. Yeah. And, and I'll, don't worry. I'll, I'll tell my kids that that's wrong when we get home or some parents might even affirm that. Yeah. As Christians, we accept that and, and would say that that's a good thing. Um, but I think that it's, it's really important as Christians that when we're interacting with the world that we actually do evaluate what's going on. Cause this, it's a heart check and it should be even for you and me talking about mm-hmm. these things, right? Cause it's really easy to enjoy the things of the world. Yeah. Um, whether it's movies or, or games or books or whatever. Yeah. But where is it wise, uh, as a father, as a mother, to actually shield and say no, even if your family is upset about that mm. and doesn't like that decision. Yeah, I think either either y- you will be discipling your kids or the world will be discipling your kids. Like, yep. There's Isn't that a Julie Slattery quote, Dr. Julie Slattery? I have no idea. 
I just, I thought I was an original, but like the idea that like, Oh, it's just neutral. Like, no, either you will do the work and disciple your kids or the world will, the world would love to disciple your children. Yep. And by disciple, I mean like to be haters of God <laughs> essentially. Yep. Right. And to consume yep. everything that the world says is great. So if you're just like, Oh, whatever. I'll just let them know you're, you're, the world will go after your kids. It just yeah. will. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to like scare people, but it's just true. Yeah. If you if you aren't discipling your kids, the world will. There's with that element of living in the world and, and being a Christian, yeah. it's an on off switch. Yeah. There, it's not you are and, either being influenced by evil or you are following yes. God. There's and no so in between. We're all affected, right? I think every no matter if you're an adult or a kid, we are all affected by the things that we consume, right? So um, if I put, I'll use Game of Thrones as an example. If as a Christian, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, gratuitous sex scenes. Yeah, like over the top violence. But the storyline is so good. I think I can handle it. I would say you are being a fool. Yeah. Like because yeah. no Christian should watch that. It's just. Yep. I don't see anything redeemable in that yeah. because it's just over the top worldliness and yeah. gratuity and sexual morality. Yeah. And so even as an adult, I think there's some Christians who are like, well, I can handle it. It's like, but you shouldn't, you shouldn't even say that. Like there's certain things in this yeah. world that are like, Ugh. yeah, but with children, it's like, okay, so our kids, they don't have the level of discernment because they're kids. Right. Yeah. So like, for instance, they're like Lord of the Rings. There's a violence in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But there's so much redeeming there's so much redemption in Lord of the Rings that I actually don't have an issue watching, you know, them battle orcs or whatever, because yeah. I'm like, man, the storyline really is. And some could say, well, isn't that game of Thrones? No, because, because even the violence is different. It's yeah. not like, it's not glorified. Like let's have a close up of you gouging someone's eyeballs out or whatever. Yeah. It's just kind of yeah. like, this is a battle that took place. You know what yeah. I mean? I still wouldn't let my kids watch Lord of the Rings because yep. I'm like, they're too young. They're, yep. they, this would, this would cause damage and cause nightmares and they don't need to be exposed to that. But you know, when Lucy is, I don't know, I haven't decided yet, but when Lucy's 14, 15, whatever, yep. I would probably go, well, we should read the books first because they're way better. <laughs> <laughs> I watched the movies first. I yeah. Didn't, I haven't even read the books. So, but as children, I think to a certain extent is our job to protect them because I don't need to expose them to things that I'm going to use a word that some people would argue, but I don't need to like destroy their innocence. Yep. And some people say, well, no one's innocent. Well, there's a certain level of childlike innocence yep. where it's like my, my kids don't know what lots of terrible things are yet because we've kind of sheltered them. Yeah. So then it's just the decision of where's the line. Right. Yeah. And I think, this for some people, maybe the lines like I have, we have friends that they've shown, they've started showing their, oh man, I don't even know how old six and eight year old movies that I'm like, I don't know if I would show my kids that yet. Yeah. And there, there's nothing like star Wars for instance yep. or whatever, yep. you know? And I'm like, I don't know if, I don't know if Ruby would be ready for that. That's like kind of scary for a six year old, yep. but I'm not going to go, what a terrible parent. Because, you know, at the end of the day, Star Wars is pretty light compared to like, a lot of other stuff. A lot of other stuff. Sure, yeah. they have a lightsaber battle. And, you know, I think even when Obi-Wan gets hit, he just kind of disappears. Boom. It's like, yep. okay, well, yep. 
So that there's a difference of opinion, right? So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Have you thought about this? I, I have. I've tried to... Because even with working with youth, I hear a lot of different sides of this. Um, that's obviously not like super young children, right? They're they're nearing the adulthood. youth that I work with are any anywhere between like 13, 14 ish, all the way to nineteen, right? Yeah. So like it's quite a wide range, but they are a little bit older than what like they are not a child anymore, even though they are still children. If that makes sense, yep, right? Oh yeah. Um, but you you hear it a lot. Uh, there's a lot of different viewpoints of like. Uh, even if we, an extreme example would be like some kids wouldn't be allowed to watch Finding Nemo because, and it's an extreme example. I haven't actually run into that. <laughs> if you could see my face right now, I'm like, huh? scrunched up. But like th- there are kids where like when we, when we go to watch a movie, it's like, let's watch Fireproof or let's watch Facing the Giants. Uh-huh. And like, those are the only movies they know about, sure. which carry some weighty themes in them. Some of them do. Sure. Right. Um, but then there's other kids that are like, oh, let's watch Saw. Let's watch. Uh, and it's like, okay, well, yeah. I wouldn't even watch those movies, right? Okay, yeah. Can I jump in for a second? Yeah. So, yeah, like we show our kids certain Disney movies. Yeah. But then there's certain ones that we go, oh, man. Like, so The Princess and the Frog. We have not shown our kids that. Do you know that one? So it's I'm, like with, I'm familiar uh, with, with it, but Tiana, I don't know it. The, uh, <laughs> the African-American princess, right? Yeah. So, anyways, it takes place in New Orleans, New Orleans, but there is like voodoo and mm. witchcraft. And I know people could be like, "Well, Ursula in Little Mermaid's a witch." Yeah, she's also an octopus. So, like, settle down. Do you let them watch Snow White? Uh, yes, but here's the difference: like, when you get to like voodoo yep. and witchcraft, that's that's real. Yeah. For me, Snow White witch, that's with made her up. cauldron and apples and and, yeah. and, and so, but. And it's just very dark. Yeah. And so our kids have actually asked because they have like a little Tiana toy. They're like, can we watch that? And we've just said, no, we're just yep. going to stay. We're just going to stay away from that. Yep. And we've let our kids watch. I'm trying to think of one that's uh, well, like Moana has like the big fire thing. Yep. But for me and people listening might be like, you're splitting hairs. But for me, that seems different hmm. because I, I'm not actually worried about a big lava monster. Yeah. Because it's make-believe. Yeah. But when it's like, oh, someone in the movie is performing voodoo yeah. and casting like demonic spells on people, that's it's, real. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yep. sorry, c- continue. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that's a splitting of hairs. I think that there's... So, even within your children, um, you'll start noticing when they can start determining reality from fiction. Um, totally. So, what I mean by that is uh, there are kids that believe in Santa Claus. Whoa, 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 whoa. I know. If, <laughs> if, your child, yeah, if your child's listening and they believe, I'm sorry, I'm about to break it to him. But he's not real. They still believe that he's real, but he's not, right? It's it, They can't... It's something as mythical, so to speak, as Santa Claus, they aren't able to distinguish that that's not something that actually happens totally. in our world. Totally. Um, and so I think that when they're in that age range where they would be able to think of those things i think that's quite an in like quite an influential period right so even my one of my nephews somehow i don't know if he actually watched him or if somebody just explained it to him but like every time we see him right now and i'm not dissing him but he's like pretending he's like almost four years old and he's throwing captain america shields and pretending to be iron man um and like he talks about what they do and he's like three years old and i'm like man like 
he has seen those like once and he can repeat those mm-hmm. things those mm-hmm. actions mm-hmm. um i think of myself on on even a, a level of someone who would like i'd say i was an adult at the time because i was uh but with my when i had walked away in my addiction to pornography and my sexual addiction and stuff uh some of the music that i listened to was incredibly descriptive and incredibly crass like totally. it was it was horrendous yeah um and you know what's interesting is even now in my Christian walk, as if I start listening to pop music that it all talks about those things, instantly my thought life is so much harder. Yeah, totally. So so I used to disagree with my parents all the time of like, no, the music doesn't influence me. I just listen to the beat. I can guarantee you that's not true because I experience it for myself. There is a level of, of influence that those things have on us. So as a parent, if you're listening and your mind is going to those places, uh, your child might not understand those things, but those words are being burnt into their mm-hmm. mind. Those actions are being burnt into their mind. Um, so I think that it, it it's, I don't know, it's maybe a lame way to navigate it, but I think that there is an element of using discernment even in the moment, right? Yeah. Our life, we're, we're very, very fortunate the way God has designed our life is that if you are, say you went to a movie in the movie theater with your kids and you're like, Hey, this is going to be a great movie. The trailer looked amazing. And you start watching, you're like, sheesh, this is not what I expected. Guess what? You don't have to be like, well, I paid for it. I guess we just have to sit here or like pull out your phone and give your kid the phone while you sit there and watch it. Yeah. You can get up and leave. Yep. Totally. Right. And yeah, there, there's the argument of why do you give your money to them in the first place? It's like those companies are billionaires and can do this anyways without yeah, your, your $35 means nothing to them. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, so I think that that's, I mean, if enough people stop, then yeah. sure. But yeah, I remember my parents did that once with uh, Robin Hood, the, Ke- the Kevin Costner, Robin Hood. We went to the theater and, and uh, I can't remember if it was within the first 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Dad just said like, get up, we're leaving. Yep. And I remember being like. I don't understand why, but now when I've watched it, I'm like, yeah, that was pretty violent for like kids to go see. (laughs) Yeah. When, when I, I think I was a teenager still, if I wasn't, I was like just older than 19 or whatever, but I went to a movie with my sister and a couple of cousins and it looked from the trailer, it looked like it was going to be a really funny comedy. And when we got into it, we realized that there was like right at the beginning, there was some stuff and it's, we, we were kind of like, ah, I, I don't know. Like that's, it's funny because we almost made the excuse of like every movie has some of that. So maybe that's just, it's just going to kick off and whatever. We'll yeah, yeah. like forget about it and keep going. And there just kept being more and more things. Uh, so I remember yes. me and my sister with my cousins there that had, we hardly ever got to hang out like this with. I remember Kaylisa and I were like, if there is one more thing, we're out. Like we can't yeah. do this. This It's been too short a time and there's like, it's not... It's not that a person willingly should expose yourself to just short increments and be like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah, yeah, Um, But it was that decision where it's like in the middle of the movie with everybody watching and my cousins right there, we stood up and walked out with no explanation because they were watching and we're okay with it. And hmm. Right? Uh, so I, God has given us the ability to choose in those moments. So use discernment. If yeah, you, totally. If you are watching something and you can sense the presence of darkness in the room while you're watching it, probably don't watch it. Yeah. If you are playing a video game and you notice the presence of darkness in it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't expose yourself. Right. And it's easier said than done. 
because those things are more often than not enjoyable or yeah. they look good and appealing. Right. Yeah. But yeah. And then I'll say this to like maybe wrap up this one. Um, I think with the whole LGBT stuff, there is absolutely an agenda that our world is pushing yep. specifically towards our children. Yep. Um, because I see it all the time, even in my kids' cartoons that we've said we're not going to watch anymore because you can just see yep. that it, it is an agenda. And even, I don't know if you saw that like leaked Disney, uh, they were doing a Zoom call and they leaked the the video. And essentially, yes, Disney executives were saying, yeah, our not-so-secret plan to push this agenda. So I'm like, it, it's not yeah. a conspiracy theory to think no. like the idea of like transgender and sexuality, all this stuff is being pushed on our kids. It, it 100% it absolutely is. is. Yep. So for me, I, I have just said as a parent, I want to err on the side of being overprotective of my kids yeah. because the entire world is screaming at them yeah. that you should be gay, you should be bisexual, you should be you should try and be the other gender. So like the thing with Buzz Lightyear, I know we could go, well, it's like eight seconds. That doesn't matter. That's just the beginning. Like they are yeah. they are pushing a worldview down your kids' throats. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, I we need to be so protective of yeah. our kids. But on the same time, the passage that came to mind was First Corinthians five, where Paul says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. But now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or idolatry. So what Paul is saying is, by no means then do we say, I'm now going to not associate with anyone in the world because he says, you'd have to leave planet Earth. That, yeah. That's impossible. Yep. So if my gay neighbors, I don't, I'm just using an example. Yep. My neighbors aren't gay. But if my gay neighbors want to come over for dinner, absolutely. Yeah. I should have them over for dinner. Yeah. And then I'm going to have hard conversations with my kids. But for me to say, I can put on a movie that has gay and trans agendas in it. It's only eight seconds. Yeah. Then I'm like willingly putting my kids. Yeah. Right. And some yep. may go, well, isn't it the same thing? I don't think so because I want to, I want to have my, you know, gay neighbors over so I can share the love of Jesus with them. Yeah. Right. So, yep. and I, I would agree. So like even, um, I, I think it's really important to recognize too, that as, as Christians, it's important to recognize that when they have an agenda like that, it's not just those eight seconds. It's so, not. so I will, I'll speak from experience. I was curious about what the hullabaloo was about Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> I thought That's we're, bad we're talking like old people today. <laughs> I was curious what it was about sure. with Buzz Lightyear. I have always enjoyed the character of Buzz Lightyear and yeah. was curious of his origin. So I personally did watch that yeah. movie. I didn't have Gemma around. I, I watched it myself. And I can admit there, yeah, the like showing of that couple was not for the entirety of the movie, but the themes were for the entire movie. Uh, okay. So not only was the movie just a bad movie, there was those themes throughout of like, well, because she found happiness and joy, then I have to change how I see uh, the, re the reality. So it's not that buzz was against the LGBTQ plus stuff, but it's like, well, she was happy. So that means I have to be happy for her and like all these types uh. of things. And I, yeah, it was pushed the entire movie, whether people like to think about it or not. Yeah, totally. Um, because that was a central turning point of the main character's view of reality. 
which yeah. right there, it's not eight seconds anymore no, that you're viewing it. So yeah, I would, yeah. as a follower of Christ, I would err on the side of not showing it to your family totally. because those themes are prevalent. Yep. next topic two two good ones so far right um i'm trying to think of which one i want to do um baptism or church membership oh boy (laughs) didn't we cast lots last time and not do membership let's do membership that's a fiery conversation um, i'm just looking up the email here oh i I remember it was like a remember i said oh yeah i cheated about the where did jesus go you're gonna cheat with this one too well because it was in the same thing so and i've just been thinking about it so this person said another topic um they're deciding they don't live around here but they're deciding which church to make home and one of the churches that they checked out we were told that if we want to serve in the church in any way we have to be members first uh, and they are changing the membership to be a one-year commitment with annual renewal after, like, the year. And so, anyways, the hmm. the topic of just, like, what, is, yeah, it, what do we think about that, first of all? That, like, hey, if you want to teach Sunday school or if you want to be an usher or if you want to sing on a worship team, you have to become a member officially of this church. And then the idea of every year it's, like, you got to re up. It's like a Costco membership, right? I got to renew my, my church membership. Now this one could get good. Cause I know you and I have different views about. Yeah. Church we, membership. we actually have quite <laughs> different views about this. So first of all, um, I've, I've heard the idea, the idea that you can't serve in a church unless you become a member, I think is a little bit overkill. Yeah, I would definitely. And we don't, we extreme. don't follow that here. There's certain positions in the church that were like, you need to be a member. I.e. Obviously, paid everybody positions. on staff. Yep. And then any kind of chairman or chairperson of a, you know, we have a missions committee at our church that oversees all the mission stuff. Yep. The chairperson of that, we've that we've decided they need to be like invested enough because yep. that's a pretty significant position. But everything else, you want to teach Sunday school, you want to lead worship, you want to blah blah blah. It's not required that you be a member. Now, I know some people are like, why, why do we have church membership anyways? Like, aren't we all members of the body of Christ? And, you know, I don't see in the book of Acts, they weren't telling people to be members, you know, when signing a thing or, I don't know, Corlin, tell me your. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So I, again, because we actually haven't had many topics where we disagree, I think, quite as... uh quite as obviously as this one that we've talked about on the podcast. So I just want to remind people as we speak, um, this is, this is meant to be a conversation that is to, to educate each other, but then also you guys and, and try and and form a biblical view of this. That's, that's the end game goal is not to like Mm -hmm. convince that Andrew has the ultimate authority on this or that I would have the ultimate authority. These are just points of view that we are putting out there and we want to line them up with scripture to see what actually stands, but then also recognizing we live in a world that is broken and not perfect. Sure. So for me, I I think that I'll, I'll put it this way. I think that membership to a church 
is incredibly important. I just don't think that membership, the way the modern North American church operates it, is how we see it in scripture. Okay. Um, that would be how I would word it. Um, the reason being is that there is lots, I mean, if you look up just verses about being members, you know, it talks about being the members of the body and all like, Mm -hmm. there's tons of scripture about that. Uh, there's scripture about not neglecting to meet together and Mm -hmm. uh, all those things. So I think that be, if you are a follower of Christ being in the company and, and in fellowship with other believers, incredibly important where you can Matthew, uh, where it says in Matthew, you can go to your brother and, and mm-hmm. rebuke them and call them to repentance and then bring elders. And like those structures are important. Jesus is like, he teaches about those things. So it's, it's obviously incredibly important for our walk. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, where I might differ than some people is to me, the structure of having to, uh, write on a piece of paper that you are a member and Mm -hmm. go to a membership course and like do all of those steps. Mm -hmm. To me, I think that that is, that's where I have my issue. So it's not the fact that a church would be like, Hey, for a position of ministry here, you must prove that you're a member. To me, it's, um, that I would have to prove that I'm a member by signing a piece of paper. Um, and and there's a whole discussion, so we can get into yeah. that. But I I, I don't see I don't any have to prove that I love my wife by signing my marriage license. Well, you shouldn't have to, yeah. but we do that in this world, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so is that not the same thing? I would argue that uh, for the sake of government paperwork, it makes sense to me. Okay. I don't necessarily consider the marriage certificate what deems like I don't think that God waits to see a marriage certificate to be like, Oh, okay, good. They, they got married. Right. In our culture, that's what we do. And the government keeps statistics on that. Um, and so I think that that's, that there's some of those things that, that add into church membership as well. But I, so the purpose of membership and my understanding is that you would be a part of a body of Christ so that you can serve in that body of Christ. But then also there's an element of accountability. That's one that gets brought up a lot. Right. So what we mean by that is if, uh, if I was walking as a follower of Christ and I fell into sin, then as a member, it would give other people in the church, if they saw that, the quote unquote ability to come to me and say, hey, Corland, I have noticed this in your life. Mm-hmm. This is sin. What are we going to do about that? Mm-hmm. Calling me to repentance, right? Um, I think my argument with this is, uh, and I think I asked you this once, is like, we had been uh, friends for a while. I think I was in life group already with you. We had been, you know, I'd been serving in the church already for a while. And that was something that got brought up. And so I asked the question of like, well, Andrew, if I sinned and you knew it, would you tell me about it? Mm. And you said, yes. So to me, I was like, well, then I'm a member. If if you mm. would come as a brother in Christ to me and tell me, then I am already a member. Sure. Um, because all of the the structures that the signing the piece of paper would bring in, you've all like, and we talked about other stuff too. You would already enact on mm-hmm. me, which tells me that you're a member without signing a piece of paper. And yet our, in the world that we live, the church is really uh, driven towards that kind of structure. So I, I don't know. I don't know if that leaves off on a good place for you to start. Yeah. I mean, sure. You can, you can, I know biblically I've heard people say like, nowhere does Paul say that we have to sign a piece of paper or be a member, but there's just certain things biblically. Like when Paul tells, you know, when he writes to a church and says, submit to the elders, well, which elders are they supposed to submit to? Yeah. Is it the church down the street? Like, is it, 
are, we're all just one body of Christ. So yeah. who do I actually submit to? And so, um, and then too, I think sometimes it's an argument from silence because, you know, just because Paul didn't write in a letter that, Oh, that way. Yep. We don't know. They could have, they very well could have said like, here's yep. our membership role. Here you go. Yep. You're a part of the church at so-and-so's house. Yep. And then I do think there are parts, there's things that we do in the church in 2022 that the early church didn't have to worry about, but it's just a part of the world that we live in. Right. So yep. like we, we submit a tax exemption because we're a nonprofit. Paul has no, no, not in the same capacity. He has anyways. no instructions for that. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Make sure you get your T4 or whatever in like, yep. But that's yep. just the, that's just the world that we live in. So I think on one hand, um, yeah, you can just make the argument Well, we are just members. And I'm like, yep. Yeah, I, yeah, totally. I agree. Yep. Um, but also I think there's something about saying, um, I am actually going to like put myself on the line here and I'm going to sign this. And in our membership covenant, it says, I'm going to support this church financially. I'm going to serve in this church. Uh, I want, uh, the church to discipline me if I am yep. walking a line. Yep. And it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you can do all those things without like officially. It's like getting welcomed to a club. But I, and, and then I think too, in our day and age, yeah, I could say like, I don't have to sign a marriage license to be married. But by me doing that, it's me, it's me saying, no, I am all in. Yep. And even in the, even though it's a, yeah, it's just a North American thing. I'm like, yeah, I get that. But um, it's like me saying, I am actually committing every aspect of my life to you, including finances, including yep. it's going to be a lot harder if we want to split up later because yep. I signed the paper kind of yep. thing, right? So, um, yeah, is church membership, you know, a lot of people view church membership as like, well, it's just so that you can come to the boring business meetings and vote on the budget. And I'm like, I have heard, well, yeah. if you want to vote, then you have to be a member. Yeah, like, and there's an aspect of that. Yeah. If you actually care about the direction of the church. Yeah, we vote on stuff. And if you're not a member, then you don't necessarily get to vote on where we spend our money, who we hire yep. as staff, like you don't get to be involved in that. So there, there is that aspect. But for me, the, the church membership is someone saying like above just attending and uh, so I'll use that example above people just saying, I'm just going to attend Sunday mornings. Yeah. Church membership is saying like, no, this specific body, this is my family. Yeah. I am committing myself to them. I'm, 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 I hate saying giving permission because like signing the thing doesn't give any real permission, but it's like this idea of like, yeah, I want to be held accountable. I want yeah. you to discipline me if I am in sin or whatever. Yeah. And I know we could say you can do all of that without signing the paper. And I get and, that. And it's true, but, but the, the world that we live in, unfortunately, um, you know, if you don't, if you're not saying like, I am actually becoming a member of this church, then it's just a lot easier to be like something ticked me off. I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm going to the other church. So I agree that some parts of it is like a North American thing that we do. Yeah. But other parts too, I'm like biblically, uh, yeah, maybe the early church didn't sign a thing that said I'm a member here, yeah. but Paul seems to be like, okay, you Philip Philippi, the church in Philippi submit to your elders. Okay. Well, there's something. Yeah. We don't submit to the evangel elders because, yeah. Yep. They're not, we're not members of that church. So yep. maybe we're just talking past each other. <laughs> M maybe. 
Um, and maybe that's for the listener to be able to decide as well as, is where that is. I, I'll, I will say like, obviously I'm on staff here. So even though I don't necessarily fully agree with those things, I think to one of the decisions that I had to make was, is that something that is worth to say, I felt God calling me into ministry. Yeah. Do I say, well, they don't do membership the way I like, so you can stick it. <laughs> like, do I do that? And then disobey God by not going into any kind of ministry yeah, by saying sure. just, nope. Well, to me, that wasn't that big of a deal because it's, yeah. it's one of those things where, well, yeah, maybe, maybe over time we will change how we do membership. Great. And if we don't, you know what? It wasn't enough of a thing to cause disunity. Sure. Imagine that. Yeah. It, it was something that was like, I don't agree with this, but... I also, it's not something that I'm like, well, they obviously don't believe that Jesus is the son of God, that Jesus sure. is God, that he died and rose again. Like, it's not that kind of issue. So to me, it was like, well, that is that is such a minor thing for me to say, okay, yes, I will join as a member in the capacity that the North Peace MB Church has designated yep. so that I can continue to do work here right so if you feel called to ministry and your church is asking you for a yearly subscription to their membership <laughs> if you have to pay you're probably a catholic <laughs> if you don't then what yeah. what is it right like it yeah. what what is it to do that there's and maybe this is a bad attitude but where there's paperwork to sign a covenant there's always a way out so at the end of the day just do the paperwork i will say this the only people who have ever um, brought up like issues, like why do I have to sign this? Why can't I? It's Me. always millennials. Always. Really? No one. Interesting. E- no one over the age of thirty has ever. What about under? Have we like Gen Zs and stuff? Do no, they? sorry. Yeah, like thirty and under. Okay. And so part of me goes. I know millennials hmm. and I know Gen Z and other are very non-committal. Very yep. non-committal. Yeah. So part of me, and I'm not saying this is the reason why, but part of me goes. It's fascinating to yeah. me that no one over the age of 30, and, and I know them, but well, we're the only ones thinking yeah. clearly or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. But I just find that curious yeah. that for people who are a little, bo- a little bit older, they're just kind of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, I think sometimes the whole like, just think about uh, 35 and under, we're the generation that is not getting married. We can just live yeah. together, whatever. Yeah. I'm non-committal. Like, yeah. So that could play a part i'm not saying that's the only reason but i it is an interesting i've only noticed in any kind of membership class and there's been a a handful of people that have have kind of pushed back but that's the their their attitude is fine they're not being like mean about it but they're just going why do i have to sign a piece of paper it's always been like 30 and under (laughs) yep and that those were basically my exact words of why do i have to sign a piece of paper it's interesting because in my in my mind it wasn't a matter of not being committed sure because I, I had already decided, I was like, this is my church. These are the elders that I will submit to. Totally. Andrew is the pastor that I will, you know, fo- follow as I follow Christ. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting in my mind and, and how I view the world. It's not that I was totally. saying no to commitment. It's just that it was like, why do I have to sign a piece of sure. paper to show that? Yep. If I'm already serving, if I'm already somebody that you would come to if I was in sin, if I would do those things for mm-hmm. you if I'm, if I'm fulfilling the roles of a member aside from just a paper that says that I can vote, sure. it's like, well then what, what greater purpose does it yeah. have? But again, if that was the only thing keeping me from being able to do ministry, I was like, well, yeah. So I think sometimes churches, we take the the whole like official membership thing too far. Yep. 
Like I know people, I know churches that are like, you can't have communion unless you're a member of the church. And I just go, you know, biblically speaking, I don't, if you're a follower of Jesus, you get to have communion. And that's between you and God then. And then sometimes I think churches don't go far enough with membership. I think it's just kind of like, well, whatever, everyone, you know, and it's like, so I agree that there are certain North American things that we do that sure the early church didn't do that because it's a different day and age like um yeah all right I think we got time for one more. We've been recording for 56 minutes. Nice. Long episodes lately. <sighs> Give the people what they want. I agree. All right. You got one? I, isn't it your turn? Oh, wait. No, you did I the membership just one. brought up the membership one. Oh, yeah. It's been so long Bing. since we started. Probably no one heard my phone just go. They probably did. Bing. It's fine. They know we're human. All right. All right, uh, I got two. Which one should we do? Why do some people get stuck on Bible translations and what makes a good study Bible type deal? Like those two together. Uh, so that would be like the conversation of the King James only Bible thumpers Ooh. versus the like NLT, like those types of things. But then also in that conversation, how do you know if you've got a good study Bible? Okay. Uh, and then the other question that I have here is why, if we are meant to be unified as a church, did God make people so different? <laughs> oh, wow, man. Should we uh, cast lots again? <laughs> okay. So the old, this, the, the my debit, debit card. card. I'm instead of like the TD uh, Visa debit. It's now going to be my TD Urum and Thummum. No, you got to come up with a new cool name. Okay, so uh, face up with all the numbers will be Bible translations, Kay. and then the mag stripe will be the why are people terrible? Is that way? <laughs> <laughs> now why are people different? All if- right, here we go. You heard it here first. Bible translation. Bible translations. Okay, dodged so- a bullet with that one. No. <laughs> yeah, I, the Lord willed it. <laughs> He's like, don't make people mad at you. <laughs> yeah. Not not today. So, yeah. How do we know what's a good Bible translation? Why do people get so stuck on it? Um, yeah. Do you find that's a generational thing? That was something that I just no. thought of with you saying the other thing is like, do you find it's certain generations uh, that are more like King James only versus? No, I know a lot. I know all age groups that are like that. Three year olds. Okay. Four year olds. <laughs> oh, gosh. You said it. Yeah, my daughter is a King James only. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Um, so I think, well, yeah. So different Bible translations are there. We have different translations because different scholars are trying to accomplish different things. So like a word, like, okay, we want to be as faithful to the original languages, Hebrew, Greek, as possible. We're going to translate it as close to word for word as we can. Yeah. So an ESV, an NASB, a King James, like we're just going to, that's why the ESV is clunky in some places. Cause it's yep. like, we're going to take the Greek and we're literally going to just as translate close it as it makes sense in word. English. And then you have, you have scholars who wrote the NIV and the NLT who have said, we're actually going to kind of translate more thoughts. So like sentences or thoughts at a time so that it's actually easier to understand. Um, and so that's why we have different Bible translations. Um, 
there's nothing wrong. Some people are like, the NLT is garbage and it's not actually the Bible. No, it's just meant. So, so for someone, let's say, who's like a brand new believer and I have no concept of the Bible, I probably wouldn't give them an NASB or an ESV because I'd go, you need something to like, this is just going to confuse you. Yep. So here's an NLT because that'll really help you understand the 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 concepts and the thoughts that the apostles are yeah. trying to get by. Yep. Then you have translations that aren't translations. Like the passion. The message. It's like, so the message I think is on a different level because Eugene Peterson said, this is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. This is my paraphrase of in modern language, what the Bible probably said. So should you read the message as like your only, you know, Bible? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I would, agree I with would that. use it as a commentary and, you know, you read a passage in first Corinthians and you go, Okay, I wonder. Eugene's a really smart guy. I wonder yeah. what he and a legitimate scholar. And you He's go, not just... oh, okay, that's interesting. That that's how maybe in our modern language it would sound. Now you have the Passion and the Mirror Bible and other kind of newer translations that are not translations and they are heretical because yeah. there is a very specific agenda yeah. that one. I'm not going to say scholar. One person is mm -hmm. trying to push. So the Passion yep. translation written by Brian Simmons, he is pushing a. New Apostolic Reformation, ultra charismatic worldview, and it comes across plain as day in the Bible. Yep, and in his in his sorry, not in the Bible, in his paraphrased book called The Passion. Yeah, and you read it and you go, you are interjecting your heretical worldview. Yep. into this Bible. I, anytime I say Bible about a heretical Bible, I don't mean Bible. So I don't have to keep like correcting myself. Yep, yep. And then you have what's called the mirror Bible. And you have a guy in France. I can't remember his name who wrote a Bible that essentially gets rid of sin. Yeah. And essentially is like, you don't need to be born again. You don't need to repent. You just have to discover who you already are. Yeah. And so here's a guy that took the Bible and completely bastardized it. Pardon my language. <laughs> To just push a heretical point yeah. of view. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think the reason we get stuck on a translation though yeah. is, so I think even if you're not someone who loves language, language means a lot to each and every single one of us. How we communicate with other humans means a lot. Yeah. So I had a conversation with a guy a while ago now uh, on a Sunday and honestly, I remember leaving the conversation. I was like, that was a, a, when I say heated, I don't mean that it was an argument, but it was like a, a passionate discussion about something. And I was like, I left and I was like, I feel like we were saying the same thing, but I feel like we both felt like we were saying different things. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that was part of our, part of why it got passionate. Right. And so I think one of the reasons that we get stuck on translations is that with within our own worldview with how we view the world working with how we would describe it with our own uh words certain translations fit that better or worse um so there are certain words that different translations would translate differently or put a different word there that make it easier for your worldview to to make sense to click because mm -hmm. that would be the way that you would understand it right so then when a different translation comes along the word that they put there might mean the same thing, but it it doesn't fit what you view that as. So it, it feels like it rubs really hard. So an example at one of our staff meetings we were reading, I can't remember which passage it was, but the the translation discrepancy, the the difference between it was like 
in one translation it said that he was passionate about something that yeah. God was passionate about something and in the other translation it said that he cared deeply yeah and I can guarantee that there are some people that are probably like no one or the other does not translate that accurately yeah and I would argue well if you care deeply about something aren't you passionate about yeah, it like totally. it's it's the same picture yeah um, but I, th I think that that's one of the reasons that we like certain translations yeah, more totally. than others is because the words that are used in it fit what we view yeah. and what we would use ourselves. Yeah. And for me, the whole like King James only debate is so silly in my mind because there's, yeah, there's lots that's great about the King James Bible, but there's a lot that is like, huh, why on earth would you translate it like that? Yep. And then there's this idea that, um, you know, when they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, that was like Satan trying to change all the Bibles. And I'm like, wrong. That was an unbelievable discovery. That proved how have, accurate our translation were. You have intact almost the entire roll or roll scroll of Isaiah. Yeah. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And so all of these new translations like the ESV and the NSB and the whatever it's because we made an unbelievable discovery that shed new light on oh maybe that word in the King James is not the most accurate way to yeah. describe it and and language changes over time oh, too totally. so King James was produced I don't remember the years but 14 it's 14 something it's ancient just about in, in yeah. today's standards oh, yeah. um and so even just think like uh talking with my mother if we and, and so I, I don't know if you're not comfortable with the language, excuse it. But the word thong means two very different things to my mother and I. I don't understand what you mean. My mother would think <laughs> that it is a flip-flop. Oh, I know. Totally. In her context, that's what it means. But anyone else who got uncomfortable when I said that knows that that's not what it means in today's standards. So you think of that's yeah, not even a not huge helpful. gap. Like, so if I gave an, uh, you know, when it uh, the, the King James Bible uh, doesn't say donkey, it just says ass everywhere. Yep. And we could go, okay, that's this minor thing. But is that going to be like a stumbling block for someone who's like, why is the Bible swearing at me? Like, yep. okay, because we don't use that kind of language anymore. Yeah. So when they changed ass to donkey, it's not, <gasps> the Bible is corrupt because you, no, yep. we don't use that word anymore. Yep. And it means the same thing, thing right? Yep. So there's no meaning lost within that. No, of course not. That change, right? So I think that. Yeah, when you're when you're looking at Bible translations, now it's our uh, podcast is gonna be explicit again. Because yeah. didn't last week you said like hell, and now yeah, this week like I that. said ass. Great, uh, man! Uh, you said it again. <laughs> Stop saying it, <laughs> donkey. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but yeah, I I think that's why. And so then, how do you know if you have a good? Uh, we've talked about how you know if you have a good translation, but how do you know if you have a good study Bible? Like how, when yeah. you're looking at study Bibles and you're, you're, maybe you already have a Bible that is just the, the scriptures and there's not very many notes or there's only like a few things that are like at the bottom of the page and tiny writing that are like a few things where it's like, or it might mean this word, or this is another translation, or it might say, check this verse in correspondence with this one. Yeah. But aside from that, it's just scripture. And you're looking for something that you're not looking at buying a commentary for every single book of the Bible, but you want to get something that has a little bit of insight from the scholars to, to build an understanding of what's being said to try and help you along as yep. you go to understand scripture. What, what would you say is a good marker for study Bibles? Oh boy. Uh, I can just name a few that are good. <laughs> I I'll, I'll name one that, and I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. Personally, I think it's a little bit silly if you buy a single person's study Bible. Sure, yeah. And I don't mean that in the sense of single or married. I mean, like, when you have 
the person's name bigger than the Holy Bible and then study Bible underneath it. Sure. I, to me, yeah. I think that's a little, like I can understand really appreciating certain scholars yeah. uh, viewpoints on things, Yep. but read the articles they put out on it then yeah. or buy a commentary by them. I, I think it's, uh, I, I don't even get super weird about like making sure that, you know, when somebody would set their, if they were to set their Bible on the floor beside their chair, I'm not necessarily one of yeah. those people that's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Can't put the Bible on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously if you're throwing it around, it's like, whoa, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's yep. not do that. But I think it's a little bit, it's pushing it when people put their name on on the Bible bigger than the fact that it's the Bible yeah. and sell it as their yes. commentary yeah. on the Bible. That to I me, agree. I would say that's maybe it. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have good points in it. Cause there are a few scholars that are, or, or pastors that are really well versed in scripture and have their own study Bibles out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would, I would argue that it's a little bit weird that you're selling a Bible with your name on it when yeah. that's the exact opposite of the point. Yeah. Totally. Um, so yeah, yeah what I'm, are your points of? Yeah, I I really like the ESV Study Bible. Which one? Because there's different versions. There's a Student Study Bible. There's Mine a whole bunch of different ones. ESV Study Bible. Interesting. I think it's just the it's the original. It's the OG. So what kind of comments are underneath? Like if you were to go, uh, it's a commonly debated topic. But what about the the passage in, well, relatively common Genesis. Uh, chapter one where God makes humans. What does it have to say about that as an example? Because different study Bibles have different yeah. comments on stuff. Oh, I know where you're getting at because you're all like, Tim Mackey. No, not Tim Mackey on that one. Uh, oh, yeah. Michael Heiser. Um, yeah. So let us make man in our image. Uh, the text does not specify the identity of the us mentioned here. Some have suggested that God may be addressing the members of his court called sons of God, New Testament calls angels, but there's a significant objection. A significant objection is that man is not made in the image of angels, nor is there any indication that angels participate in the creation of human beings. Many Christians and some Jews have taken us to be God speaking to himself, since God alone does the making in Genesis 1. This could be the first hint of the Trinity in the Bible. So basically what I'm getting at with that is I would argue if, if the rest of the comments in your Bible are along those lines, I would argue that's a good study Bible. If they are presenting different viewpoints within the comments on things and they're able to say, Hey, either grammatically it says this in the language, but it could mean this. And and it's able to like give insight to the ancient text without much bias. I would say that's a a view of a good study Bible. I have, I have an ESV student study Bible and I've found that I don't enjoy that one very much because it'll be like for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and the comment underneath it's not an exact, I don't remember exactly what it says, but it's as an extreme, it's like, God really loved the world. It's like, <laughs> You're like I, yeah, duh. I got that. Right. So like yeah. there are study Bibles like yeah. that where it's like, I okay, don't, I get what you mean. This yeah. isn't super helpful. Cause it just is repeating maybe in different. Yep. It's, it's so like, yeah, when that's why I do like the homework. ESV study Bible is that it tries to be, there's sometimes when you can tell, like, okay, I can tell that the scholars have a leaning towards a certain yep. theological Which point. you will no matter which translation but you But I have read. found that oftentimes it is like a, okay, there, th- yeah, there, I remember even there's, I can't remember the passage, but I remember reading the study notes and they're like, there's five main views about what this verse means. And they'll just lay out all five yep. and they'll say, most likely it's number four. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yep. So I, I have really enjoyed that. I have an NIV study Bible that I don't use often, but... um. 
Yeah, it's just the NIV Study Bible. I yep. don't I don't get versions of it, but that one is good. I know you've bought an NLT Study Bible. Yeah, I have an NLT one that I which, personally love. Yeah, I I use that one all the time. So yeah, I would say. If you're looking for a study Bible, unless you really can't afford it, don't buy one that just has like a couple of words about the verses. Like if mm-hmm. it, if it's quoting Nehemiah chapter one, verse two, and all it says is like a one sentence thing on that verse, it's, it's probably not going to be as helpful as, as you might've thought. Sure. Yeah. Um, yep. If you're going for a study Bible, I would, I would say check the comments and see the length of them and, and read a few and see what the viewpoints are in it. If it's, if it is willing to present different viewpoints even, right. Cause yeah. we've talked about that lots, how God has given us the body of Christ to help each other learn totally. about him through his reveal revelation through his word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think having different viewpoints can help us totally discern those things. Man, an hour and 12 minutes. We should probably wrap this up. Probably. Um, thank you for listening. This has been off the record. I think four really good yeah. topics. And if you were listening as you're going to bed, good night. Good night. If you've fallen Sleep asleep, tight. don't let the bug, bed don't bugs bite. Don't look under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's so creepy. <laughs> but if you do have uh, other questions or, or uh, topics you want us to cover, please reach out and we'll just keep doing this. And uh, subscribe. Hit that like Smash button. Smash that like Smash button. Smash that like button. Leave us a five-star review. <laughs> and uh, we will talk to you next week.